So the other morning, actually it was uh, it was in the evening before bed. My son decided to put on some Handy Manny on the old Hulu device, and it may be a little young for uh, his his target audience, but I really missed Handy Manny. That that show is just so chill. Did you have any shows like that that your kids would watch that you're like, oh yeah, this one's on. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, Phineas and Ferb. That was it for me. Yeah, Phineas and Ferb is a standard uh, what we watch when we wake up in the morning before we get ready. Yeah, like I could, I could legitimately, I could watch that without my kids, and I don't walk away feeling like I just wasted thirty minutes of my time. <laughs> Have you ever watched uh, Lego Ninjago? Oh yeah, yeah. So this... see, that's another one where like my son would put it on and leave the room, and I'd watch three more episodes. I tried to get my daughter to watch some of the um, the Star Wars stuff that's on Netflix uh-huh. and like the cartoon versions of Star Wars that's on Netflix and she never I was like I really need you to get into this so I can justify watching it <laughs> <laughs> she never got there so the thing that always cracked me up Handy Manny was not an annoying show there's tons of those that we could probably do our whole separate podcast on maybe during the off season that seems fair but the one thing that always made me laugh about Handy Manny is he would travel the world and he apparently had the only set of sentient tools in the world, but anyone that ever met him treated those tools as if that was the most normal thing in the world that a man had a toolbox full of talking tools. It's very true. Never That's once was anyone like, oh my God, your tools are talking. <laughs> Soccer chat with two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga, so it's like a play on words. And you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Hey everyone, welcome to episode thirty-two of Soccer Chat. <laughs> Did you just become Mickey Mouse? <laughs> My voice is a little hoarse from all the excited screaming that I did last night during the Chattanooga Red Wolves two-one victory. Over Orlando City B. The curse is broken, Adam. Yeah, we finally we finally beat the worst team in League One. Nothing stopping us now. Nowhere to go but up. Before we get to a breakdown of that game, though, there, of course, is some really important news that was, uh, I don't know if you want to say announced, but some news that was put out regarding the team. I think they were forced by the league to announce as, as, as a real thing, because if they had their choice, we would hear... As we normally do. So in the dead hours of the afternoon Friday, we heard that Coach Tim Hankinson has been put on paid leave for the remainder of the season. Uh, Adam, do you have those clips from the press conference with the Chattanooga Red Wolves official spokesperson? So there literally was nothing besides the statement that Coach Hankinson is on paid leave for the remainder of the season. And any questions about, say, why your head coach and technical director is going to be on paid leave for the rest of the season, they declined to comment. Yeah, to go even further than that, every single news article that was out there about it said this was a developing story as if they were hoping to get information. And I kept thinking to myself, have you ever dealt with the Red Bulls when it comes to getting information? Right, yeah. Because as we're fully aware... They're, they're, um, how do you put this nicely? They struggle with the, 
terminology of interaction with their fan base, I think is a safe statement. Anytime they don't think it's going to be perfectly positive, they completely shut down. Which I think is a massive mistake. I think allowing us to speculate and allowing your rival local supporters groups to speculate about it makes it worse. Like The worst case scenario of this is the coach quit because he was frustrated with something in the team, right? Right. Own it. Say, we had a difference of opinion, that it's, the determination was made that he will be paid for the remainder of his season because we respect the quality of work he's done up to this point, but we're going separate ways. And be done with it. Instead, we're all speculating. Is it a health issue? The rumor mill says, no, it's not. Is it a is it the, the team's letting him go because they're disappointed with the quality he's done? We have no idea. Is he quitting because he can't... He's frustrated with 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 uh, ownership having a Jerry Jones style hand in everything. Who knows? Because they won't tell us, and it wouldn't take much to make a simple statement. No, it would not. Um, in any of those scenarios, it's not as if those were an original thing in the history of sports that say a coach and owner didn't see eye to eye on things and decided to part ways before the season ended. Yeah. But I think they've got this fear. We're not even the first team to have let a coach go in right. League Orlando One this did. season. Orlando let their coach go. And you know, what's interesting is I read some of the stuff that was out there on like Reddit and places like that. Some of the USL Championship people who would know him a little bit better than than say League One people would be. There were comments that like, no matter what you may think of his style, let's hope it's not it's not actually medically related. Which says to me. He's known for being a little bit harsh at times, right? Right. And so that may have run its course, and finally they're like, we're done. Or it could be the opposite, or it could be health. We literally have no definite. We just have the rumor mill. And I think that's the worst case scenario. Because then they can add more to it that's definitely not true, and there's no one to refute it. Because who do you go to? Like, it's just, it's in my opinion, you're a professional team, a professional franchise, you're trying to present yourself as a as separate from all these amateur teams that are around town and that are around the country. The way you do that is by owning the good and the bad. Right. There's a certain level of transparency that you would expect from professional soccer that, yeah, even good, good or bad, deal with the situation and move on. You know, as far as people being snarky on Twitter. Well, that's I'm, I know I mean, that's not what they're ducking from, but it feels like that's what they're ducking from when know. they don't put anything out there. I don't know that that's not what they're ducking from. I think they were so hit hard with the bad publicity that they got, especially early in the fall of last year after the announcement, that they have been gun-shy about doing anything that could even remotely be twisted poorly. I think that's partly why they're so late to announce their what they're going to be doing because they don't want to give people time to plan against it. I think that that's a big part of it for them. I think they worry about bad publicity so much that they get no publicity. Maybe that's just me. I, I mean, there's certain knock-on effects to that of getting no publicity when you're trying to grow a fan base and build a foundation. So we'll see how that goes forward. If, if it is a, a health issue, then you know we wish the best for Coach Hankinson and his family, which you know, whichever situation that might be. In that case, 
He's a man who maybe has kind of an abrasive style that's been hard on the players. He, early in the season, was very generous with his time to me uh, and others. So I appreciate that. And as far as the season's gone, I don't think they performed poorly enough that he deserved to be fired. So no, and I don't think I don't think so either. I think if it's the sort of thing where the issue resolves itself and he's back next year, I'm not one that's going to be upset about that. I'll be glad to have him back and and see one more year of him trying to build this. He has a great reputation for building these things. He put some pretty decent pieces in place. It's been interesting the way the season has gone. There's been a lot of ups and downs, but we'll see where that goes. So, do you feel Let's take two scenarios, and because you kind of mentioned them both, what's worse, him not coming back or him coming back under a cloud of issues that he had the previous year? I think coming back under a cloud would be the worst. Um, now, now I do believe that continuity is good when it comes to building franchises, any kind of sport, which is why I'm not in a rush to say let's just be done with this guy. Um, but it's not uncommon for this sort of thing, I think, to have a coach that comes in for one year and then they move on to someone else. There's there's going to be lots of rotation at this level of, you know, they're going to find a young up-and-comer coach and he's going to do really well and he's going to move on to a USL championship squad. The Which, same thing's going to happen with players on the team. They're going to come through and they're going to move on to other things. But, yeah, for him to come back and – we're never going to know. No one's ever going to say. There's going to be tons of rumor and hearsay and, oh, please don't say that on the podcast. They're going to, you know, spread things about, none of which is going to be able to be verified or confirmed. So it was. Did he have a run-in with the players? Did he have a run-in with the owner while he's back coaching? And then all of a sudden they're on a three-game losing streak. Yeah. And what's going to happen? And that creates, to me, even more instability than just, all right, clean break, New season, new coach. Yeah. Move on from there. Okay, so before we go on to the, the recap, one other thing I do want to mention that's somewhat kind of side associated with this is I cannot help but keep laughing at the fact that they keep saying David Beretta is the is the interim head coach. Um, David oh. is, is a goalkeeping coach. He's a great guy. He's doing a wonderful job with the goalkeepers um, and other things he's involved with. He's not the guy on the sideline making those decisions. That's Colin Falvey, right? So I would agree. Colin Falvey is doing a lot of player coaching duties for the team and is very involved. He's been involved the whole season. He has been at Tim Hankinson's side developing this team through the season. And so, I, you know, he's, he's at the tail end of his career. He obviously wants to coach anyone that's talked to him. That's what he's telling people. And I would love to see if that's going to be the case, then bring it on. We love us some Colin Falvey, and we would love to have him stay in Chattanooga. I, I would love for this to be his audition. The Lansing game, which we honestly played better than we expected to in that ridiculous, tiny, terrible field. The game last night where we were very aggressive. We had a lot of opportunities that just didn't happen. Um, and these final two games... He's putting a differently. We've already seen a different bench last night than we typically see. We're seeing some players that haven't had even bench time out there. He was handcuffed with the fact that Beatty wasn't playing, right? And he didn't have Zaguro. Those are your number one score and your number one assist guy. That's pretty significant, right? So I don't know. That's 
the 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 fan in me because I like Falviet. My interactions with him, the watching him with the with the players, you know, he seems like he's going to be a player coach, but also a really good coach. Right. Would love to see that smooth transition because that's a smoother transition, right? It's somebody right. who's who's played under him, who's worked with him. I don't know. That's what I'd like to see if we don't have Hankinson back. Personally, I, I don't have a problem with Hankinson either. I feel like the rumor mill that's out there that Hankinson's been handcuffed with some ownership, like I, said, I kind of referenced a Jerry Jones type hand on certain things. Right. I think there's probably some there's probably some legs to that rumor. And that's frustrating more to me than what Hankinson's done. I think Hankinson is, he, yes, he plays his favorites to a point, but I think the people he's chosen as his favorites, like, okay, if Stephen Beatty's a favorite, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think you know, not not having Dixon all year affected his setup for the the team significantly. And I also think, you know, Eamon Zide was a favorite, right? And he decided he's not doing what I need for this team to succeed because his speed's not where it is, going against all these young guys. So that to me says, here's a guy who's been with you for a long time. And you're willing to walk away from him. That says you don't only play favorites. So I, personally, I'd like to see him back. I don't think it's a possibility. I don't think. I think he's done after these four games. I think he's honestly. I think he's done now. And they're just giving him three three game checks and saying move on. Right. Um, but that's just me. All right. So let's let's turn from that to the actual game. Okay. Two one victory goals by Cito Sayon and a game winner by Tony Walls. Have you gone because that goal, the Cito Sayon goal. Two things happened to me on that. One, I was given another dude in the in the stands a hard time for because I watched him. He's just watching his kids play f- play with a football on the sideline. <laughs> I like turn. I was like, "Are you gonna watch the soccer game?" And then I hear a cheer, and I'm like, "Am I gonna watch the soccer game? What the heck?" So I had to go over and watch it on replay, like immediately after it happened. Uh-huh. What the heck? Did, I know the ball touched the guy's foot, but did it seem to you like somehow that ball had like a remote control in it that moved it back to go into the net? Yeah, it. I believe it went essentially off the bottom of his boot and because of that it put a really funky spin yeah on that ball and caused it to go i don't think, i do not think you could do that you could give him a hundred times of like hey we're gonna put this piece of cinder block there hit that cinder block and make that do it again right. he would not do it in a hundred times no happy with it but. but that sort of thing so my wife talks all the time and it's funny because you saw a ton of it with Orlando on the other end as our defense was constantly running into each other and falling over each other in the box. That so many times you watch people wait for that ball to be just like set on a little platter. It's got to be on this tee with you yeah. know sunlight coming down from the heavens on the ball to let you know that this is the time to strike it and you'll score. And Cito Sayon is a guy who is like, oh, look, a window. Boom. He takes the shot. And that happened in the second half to us. Tony Walls and uh, Ami Padilla. And Tony's usually also a, boom, window, I'm going to take it. Right. But it happened in the second half where we're yelling because it's on our end. And we're yelling like, <laughs> shoot the ball. And then it ends right. up another one where they pass it left and it ends up backward. I'm like, you had three opportunities. <laughs> it's right. not going to be perfect. Take the shot. So it's so fun to watch with Cito, who is not afraid to take that window and to see the benefit so that hopefully someone can take that film and show it to guys and be like, hey, do you see this? Yeah. Take the shot. You never know what's going to happen. And I think Hurst is also a take the shot guy. I would say the ones that have not been, obviously I'm going to mention Mari because Mari does seem like he has to have it exactly where he wants it. Um, I would he say also th- needs to have all of the defenders move to the exact spot so that they can <laughs> shoot too, but that's another <clears> issue. <throat> 
I would I would say honestly Caporelli at times when he's when he's getting up there on overlap he needs it in the perfect spot. Right. Um even Soto's not Cito, but Soto in this situation similar that that type of thing. And I think the more that they're willing to attack, the more you get those those lucky bounce here or there that 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 ends up falling perfectly for someone else, right? Yeah. Um that said, this game honestly should have been a tie if Alex Mangles doesn't just have the most amazing 20 seconds there because they had the ball three times in the very first half, laying oh, right yes. at their feet, and he makes two amazing saves, and then they miss the shot, right? Oof. But That miss. Oof. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> but, like, this is one of those – This is another, that's why the last 10 minutes, I'm sitting there going, just – just don't give it up. Just don't give up that 89th minute game tying situation again. Uh, other thing about this game, the goal of the second goal that we got, I was it was like watching in slow motion because it's right in front of us. Yeah. And the ball's just coming over, and I can see Tony's eyes go from like normal size to the size of like um, Wiley Coyote in. <laughs> oh yeah. Like. Just he watches it right in, just beautiful. The whole thing, just beautiful. So you remember in Rookie of the Year when he floats it at the very end, and they have the guy in slow motion that thinks he's gonna like hit it out of the park. That's just kind of what I'm picturing. Yeah, Tony Walls like seeing that ball and just lining himself up and you know taking time. And uh, we talked to, got a chance to talk to him after the game. He's one of my son's favorite players, so my son went up to give him a high five. And uh, that's what he was talking about was, like, he was just telling himself, like, just get this on target. Like, he knew he was all alone. He knew there was no one around him. And so he was nervous that he might accidentally, like, you know, send it wide or have it clear over his head or something. But he put the finish on it, and it was a great goal. So we've talked about the goals. The other big part of that game was the quick draw McGraw yellow card king. (laughs) They're playing as the center ref. Um, he got like three League One referee fantasy points for that. I was just, and I'm not ta- not just for us. Like across the board, Orlando got a bunch of quick draw yellows. We got a bunch of quick draw yellows. I went and rewatched the second yellow to Leo Fala, and I cannot for the life of me figure out how a fifty-fifty ball that you go over the top of the guy is it a foul? One hundred percent. But that's what it is. That that happens. Every game, if every one of those was a yellow card, half the league would be on yellow card suspensions because that happens 10 to 15 times a game. Right. And I'm just over it. I'm over this crappy, why so many, why they've never sent a thing out to the refs say, hey, not every foul's a yellow card, guys. Like, we know you're not, you're, we can't expect high quality. We've talked about this. High quality refing doesn't exist anywhere in the U.S., all the way up to MLS. But you can send a referendum that says, we're pulling that yellow card too much. This is the just sit in this game tape, and you got exactly what you need. Yeah. So I will say Leo's first yellow card I felt was pretty legitimate. Missed the ball, got the guy's ankle. I think he felt he deserved that one there. Do you think there is anything on the? Well, he's already gotten a yellow, so he's basically been warned that he needs to be careful. Do you think there was any possibility of his arm was a little high and got the guy in the back of the head that could have led to that second yellow? So a lot of times people go the other direction with that, where they try to say, is that worthy of a second yellow? And they try to claim the second yellow has to be more harsh than the original yellow. I don't buy into that world. Yellow's a yellow as far as I'm concerned. Right. 
I just, no, I don't, I've watched it, like, going up on someone's back when you're going up, putting your hands down, that's a natural reaction when you're going up and there's someone in front that you can stabilize yourself. Yeah. And I just, I watched a, I watched a lot of Premier League this I don't weekend. really get more than, like, three inches off the ground, so I don't have to prop myself up on people <laughs> when I jump. I only do it when I'm going against, like, my children. Right. <laughs> like, stay down there, child. <laughs> and then your wife gives you a yellow. <laughs> yeah. You sit out. Uh, now, it's just... I've just I watched a lot of Premier League games this weekend. I, I and Lucky. I, of the games I watched, I kept you know I watched the Arsenal games this afternoon, and I'm like, wait a second, I've just saw ten times where this happened, and not one of them was a yellow. The yellows are exactly what we're talking about. It's the elbow in the back, or it's the one where the guy's going up and the guy's coming from five yards away and goes uh-huh. full speed and takes him out. That's not what happened he here. He just takes a forearm and puts it in his ear hole. Yeah, exactly. That's not what happened here. And it's just, it's a bad call. And he's 35 yards away. I don't believe he had the sight to be able to say that that elbow's in the back of his neck. Right. So, no. It's a bad call. And, and I don't know. It's, it's just, it frustrated me because I'm going, that impact is more than just this game. Yes, that's true. And so, that brings me to this question is... Um, when we look at these type of situations and we look at these yellow card accumulations or the two yellows that carry to red and you have a, a person sitting out, do you feel that even though I don't agree it was a yellow card, it was ultimately a mistake by Leo to even go into that situation or do you think he had no choice? Uh, no, I'm not going to put it on Leo. Just like you said, that's the kind of play that happens a hundred times a game and maybe a foul gets called. It doesn't always... Not always is a foul called. So I think that's just natural play instinct that he's going in. I don't think that's the sort of situation where he needs to be careful. You know, it's that sort of thing is if there's a play in the box and he's going to be sliding to try to block a shot, that's where you've got to be more careful because you're already on a yellow, knowing that if you make that last slide and you miss the ball, you're going to be gone. That's what happened to the Orlando player who got the red card. He foolishly kicked a ball away after a foul call and got his yellow card and then made a very bad tackle later in the game, he's got to know better that I'm already on a yellow, I'm going to have to stay on my feet here. Yeah. Or maybe I shouldn't kick balls away when the referee makes a bad call for the 15th time because that's going to get me a yellow. He should do more what Greg Hurst did. And I might, yes, yes. Props to Greg Hurst. Ball runs out of bounds over the end line for a goal kick. He picks it up, drops it on the other side of the board, and runs away <laughs> so that the goalkeeper then has to call for a ball from the sideline from the ball kid. This is when we're up 2-1 trying to kill time. This was, yeah, in, in sometime in the 80, 80 minutes range. Yeah, that was well done. So got us a, a nice 45 seconds off the clock there. So speaking of Hurst, Hurst was involved in another play in the 80-something minute. Um. We had a very good view of it from where I was. I had actually was walking over to where my son was playing with some of the flags, people running back and forth with the flags. Right when he's running down and gets pulled down, ultimately he falls in the box. Mm-hmm. They call it a foul outside the box. So he fell kind I mean, he fell in the box, but kind of on the line. Yeah, but he didn't roll at all. Right. So he's being pulled. He did not roll at all. Like it wasn't a situation where he hit and rolled. He hit and fell, and he's when he's on the ground, he's three feet from the line. Right. 
the ref then places the ball outside the box. Here's my thing. I actually think the correct call was that it was not a penalty. However, if he thought the foul occurred that far in down the field, then he's, his call was wrong because he was nowhere near being that side of the box. If you go rewatch it, he's, he's inside the box line the whole run down. Hmm. He's not on the outside at any point. So this is a ref who wasn't willing to make what he thought was the call, which is he fell past the insert in going past where you would go into the box. That's where he thought the penalty occurred, and he didn't have the gumption to say that's a penalty. Right. It turned out it saved him because the guy actually fouled him probably about three feet before the box, and he fell into it, which is not the way that the rule is written. It's where the foul begins, not where it ends. So I haven't actually watched the replay of this since I got home, but do you feel that it was denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity? Do you feel like had the guy not cynically grabbed Greg Hurst by the arm and yanked him to the ground because he just got completely outrun, do you think Greg Hurst gets on that ball and has a shot at goal? He has a shot on goal. I, it's it's a tough angle, though. Okay. But he's going to have a shot on goal. So that's another situation. that you know The, the dog so, that does not have to be in the box. If yeah. he's a one-on-one breakaway and you are denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, that's what dog so stands for. It's a clever little acronym. Anyway, that, if that's what that means, then that should have been a red card. That's a good point. On top of, if he thought it was anywhere near the box, should have been a penalty. Yeah. And now I think you, I think you've a little overanalyzed what's going to happen with goal differential when we talk about that. But not awarding a penalty when it's you know when everything in the league is as tight that it could come down to goal differential on who goes to the playoffs. Not awarding that penalty is fairly big. So I'm not even thinking it from even that. Even though it doesn't swing the final result of the match. I'm not even seeing it from that point. I think it's the 88th minute or something like that, right? I'm feeling very comfortable. If we've got a two-goal lead, yeah. the game's over. Right. And it didn't turn out that way where they got that final goal. But I would have been very livid today if we basically got knocked out of playoff opportunity barring... A complete failing from right. Madison um, because he failed to do what he thought was really happened. So that speaks to the issue with the League One referees is they are too quick to go to yellow cards to try to manage the game. I'm using air quotes for folks on camera. <laughs> all, they, the, all the people watching us on the mythical live Right. It's on, it's on my Cujo. So... <laughs> They are too quick to go to yellow cards to try to, to manage the game, to try to show that they're in charge, when really what it takes is growing a set and saying, that foul was in the box, that's a penalty. Yeah. And If they would do things like that, then they would have the respect, especially of veteran players like Stephen Beattie, who constantly you can see his disdain for the refereeing on the field as it's going on. Um, it's fun to watch Tony Walls as well come over and ask the guy a question and then just walk away shaking his head laughing. Uh, that they're 
if they're able to do that, then they don't have to go to that yellow card because they can blow a harsh whistle and they can say, don't do that anymore from 20 yards away, and the guy's going to say, all right, and he's going to chill out. Yeah, I think you're right. So anything else you got from this game that we need to discuss? So we are having an issue defensively trying to clear the penalty box, and it bit us. This this game really should have been a 2 nothing win, I would say, or it could have been a 2-2 tie had Alex Mangles not made two or three amazing saves in the box at close range. Yep. Because when that ball gets in, I just... So here's something that's funny. My son, in his team practices, they've been working on not turning the ball towards the goal to the center of the field. Right. That's a thing that my coach, we're, we're constantly hearing, outside! Try to turn the ball away. Um, they're eight. So what tends to happen is the kid that's playing on the left is right-footed, and he wants to use his right foot, so he goes to the middle. There was a play in the – it was the play that led to the goal in the first half, and I love Jonathan Caparelli. Johnny, you're my boy. I don't want to pick on you too bad. But the ball is coming towards the goal, and Johnny takes a touch with it towards the goal, towards the middle, yeah. instead of turning himself around. He's good enough with his left foot that he can make a turn. You know who makes that turn all the time? Vangel's a guru. Yeah. Too bad we didn't have him. So Johnny plays the ball towards the middle. The Orlando player pounces on it, and he is in position to shoot. So I want to thank everyone for that play so that I could show my son that in slow-mo and be like, here's what Coach is talking about when he says not to come to the middle. <laughs> this is why. Do you see when you turn to the middle like this and the other team takes the ball, they're going right at the goal. Whereas if you go the other way, even if they take the ball, they're dribbling to the corner and not to the goal. Yeah. And I want last thing I want to mention before before we move on to some other areas is last week I we gave we gave Mangles a hard time. And the reason we gave him a hard time, and we didn't really give him that hard time, but basically the reason we said that he had a slightly off night is because we're used to watching him have the night like he had last night. Where, honestly, that goal, the time early where he had the multiple saves all in a row where basically they, it seemed like it was us just handing the ball to them over and over again. Right. Um, nobody would have said that was the goalkeeper's fault if he got scored on there. But because that's what he does on a regular basis, he saves the game, the goals where nobody expects him to save it on a regular basis. Like it happens once a night. And that's why when I looked at the four goals by Lansing last week, I said, one of these four goals, at least, maybe two of them, typically I'm expecting him to save because that's right. what I'm used to seeing. It's not saying a typical goalie would save it and you did a poor job. It's on your standards, you did a poor job. No, there's, you know, he leads the league in saves. He doesn't have a great goals against. And we've talked about that a lot of times that's, that's the defense that's let him down. It's... The fact that other teams, because we can't generate offense, other teams had multiple opportunities and lots of time to poke and prod and find the hole on us. Yep. But he's leading the league in saves, and that should show you that he is one of the top goalies in the league. Agreed. And you know there there is I don't there isn't anyone else in the league that I would take over him. Honestly, there's others who are I would say maybe just as good, but there is no one else in the league I would take over him. And, and it's exactly like you said one or two of those four goals he typically saves, and so that's where we felt like it was a bit of an off night for him. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the league. You kind of mentioned that the, you know, where he stands in the league. Let's look at where we stand in the league. 
we're recording this right as the Ford Madison North Texas game is starting, so we don't actually know the results of that game yet. At this point, though, we're still not dead. But it is because of the Tucson tie on Saturday night. Thanks, Richmond, for not letting them score on you. It's basically us and Madison for that fourth spot. Theoretically, <laughs> what's interesting is while Lansing has gotten their final spot, Greenville technically hasn't could go all the way to fifth, and they could also get up to second. Right. So they're technically not in it, but looking at their schedule, they're more than likely clinched. So it's us and Madison for that fourth spot. How are you feeling? So we're recording right now. It's late Sunday afternoon. Madison and North Texas have just kicked off. Um, go North Texas. And so, yeah, I... Alex's Stone Cold Prediction Machine still has the Red Wolves in. I'm not quite ready to throw dirt on the season. We'll have to see what happens in the Madison game. And, uh, but I'm, I'm feeling much better. And I, the, the quality that they have played, the way that they've attacked, the combinations that they're having up at the front, I feel a lot more confident that we're going to take care of business for the rest of the season. Richmond, I think, with that draw against Tucson is kind of, hurt themselves so they've got an opportunity to play spoiler i you know they've got a chance to win the fanny pack full of hard candy in the old man derby this weekend but that's a a game where kind of they don't really have as much to play for so hopefully we can come on and take them and the same thing with toronto toronto sitting in ninth place they don't have much to play for anymore so that final game of the season looks pretty good for us and tucson's not mathematically out so Madison's got to play North Texas, which is never an easy game. They're playing, I think this is their final home match. Is that right? This is a home game? It is. This is their last home okay, match. Okay, so this is a home game. They've got to go on the road to Tucson, who's mathematically not eliminated. They could still be feisty. They play very well at home. And then they're finishing at Lansing. Like, as I said, that's, that's going to be you know a huge Midwest derby. That Well, not only that, Lansing will have been Lansing, off for two weeks. Uh, so I've been thinking about this since we talked last time. Lansing will have been off for a full two weeks. They're going to put a good team out because you don't want to go three weeks without putting your best team going to playoffs. As well as they still kind of need to take care of some business to be able to host playoff games. Yeah, so that's... So they still have things to play for. So it's looking a lot... It, it's going to be tough for Madison, and I don't want to write them off. They're a decent team. Obviously, they're in fourth place right now. They have um, played much better later in the season than they were at the beginning, so... The other thing I w- that I think that I part of me keeps saying I kind of mentioned this on Greenville, so here's Greenville's last um, last three games, which I think is interesting. They play Tucson, who, like you said, is not technically all the way out of it, right? Right in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Here's the game that I think would be interesting: is I watched Orlando. They were in this game. They wanted to win this game. Oh, see, I didn't watch Orlando at all. What are you talking? So yeah, we this, all watched Orlando. Uh, Adam. You know what I mean, though. I'm like watching their players, and uh-huh. they are into this game. Like they are not going through the motions. That's true. They wanted to win this game. One they of were, them said a bad word. <laughs> I think multiple of in them a said foreign it. language, but yeah. I know what he said. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying that is they they only have one game left to be spoiler, and that's versus Greenville. Right. It would be comical to me if. The way that that Greenville finishes the season, we're all worried about Madison, and somehow Greenville loses in Tucson, loses to Orlando, 
And that final game versus Tormenta in Tormenta, which they've got a bit of a rivalry themselves. Right. It would I would find it comical for them to lose all three and me not even thinking about them. Likelihood, very small. Yeah, Greenville is very hot right now. Yeah. I I would put the odds more on them finishing second than dropping out. Well, you, you know, we But welcome we, to League 1. There's a reason that they don't play these games on paper. They play them inside television sets. <laughs> right. I mean, they did lose to Richmond 3 weeks ago or 2 weeks ago. So, okay. it's not unlikely for them to lose to one of the worst teams in the in the league. Right. So, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those that's still there. That's kind of what I was referencing. Like, it's still possible for them to drop out completely, and it's still possible for them to host a game. Um, yeah. Also, they win their next two games, goal differential-wise, because to win them, you have to at least win by one. They move into second. Right. So, like, Lansing's sitting all there happy and everything, and they, they one of the Lansing podcast guys was really rooting for them to lose so they could celebrate their, you know, assumed um, home field advantage. Hey, tell you this, guys. Right now... Greenville could easily knock you off your perch without you playing another game, and you could win out and not host a game. So that's what's really kind of funny about League One. Like other than North Texas and Orlando, the rest of us are all have something that very much together. Yes. So, yeah, but North Texas and Orlando have definitely separated itself from the best and the worst. <laughs> so, all right. So going back to looking at. Uh, this Richmond preview, because we still have to go one game at a time. We still have to win our final two games. We've got some disappointing news when we came to the park on Saturday that Stephen Beatty was out there limping. My understanding is he's probably not playing the rest of the season. So I think he's probably fine. I mean, I limp all the time when I'm walking. Yeah, that's just because you're trying to strut. It's because I'm old and I'm fat. <laughs> So, yes, we have heard there is a knee injury that is going to require surgery. Yeah. And so we are going to miss him for the rest of the season. And by golly, are we going to miss him because he has been fun to watch this year. Um, we know that he is one who was brought here on a two-year contract, so we are definitely going to have him back next season, which is exciting. Yeah. The biggest bummer to me is it's not as if this was like a pulled hamstring that he could rest for a couple weeks. And, be, and we could have him for the playoff push, uh, for the actual playoffs. This is going to be, he's going to be done for the season no matter what happens for us. Um, and that's definitely sad. What could help bully our spirits is we've both had chances to talk to Richard. And he seems like he is very close. I'm actually a little surprised he was not part of the bench in this last game against Orlando. Yeah. I think there's a very good chance you're going to see him in the lineup for the coming game. Maybe on the bench. Maybe here's not why I starting. think he might make the lineup. We lost Leo Fala because of his second yellow and got a red. And so it naturally makes sense that you would then move Tony Walls in, unless you're talking about bringing Andrew Mullen, who's been very, very good as Dolph, in to replace Leo, and you do put him on the bench. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to that right wing and put um, Tony Walls in the middle. So he has been training with the team for quite a while. You can see that in the team photos that they share of training, you know, each day on Twitter and Facebook and all that. You see that Richard is there. He's been working with them for quite a while. He's just been waiting for clearance from his doctor. So it wouldn't make me as nervous to say, oh gosh, this is his first game back and you're starting him. Well, we keep putting... To wonder about whether or not he's fresh. Well, we keep putting, like... Um, 
loanees in immediately that have not played at all or trained with the team at all. Well, yeah, but at least they're healthy. So you worry a tiny bit about Rust, but because he's had so much time training with the team, I'm a little less worried about Rust when it comes to Richard Dixon. Honestly, to me, a rusty Richard Dixon is still going to be very helpful to this team. he was ridiculously fast with the injuries. Right, while he was playing thinking he just had turf toe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, no, never mind. That's a torn ligament in your toe instead. My bad. So, what's your starting 11? Do you have Richard making or do you think he's on the bench? I'm going to say he's starting on the bench. I'm going to say that they put Andrew Mullen, who, like as you said, has continued to be a quality player in the center of defense. Um, so I'm going to say that they start with Andrew there um, with that back four. I look for Vangel Zagura to be back, and I hope that he plays in the left back spot. I thought that Johnny Caparelli had a fantastic game and was in positions that Timmy Mel the week before was not against Lansing. He was getting into the attack, but he was also very good to get back, and he's got good speed to make that back-and-forth yeah. run. Um, so, But I, I would see him maybe coming off the bench. And there again, you could see him. He has played some games up at the left wing, and with Stephen Beattie injured, Eamon Zide's not really the speed player that you would put there. No. Um, you sure? I don't know. Every time I've ever watched his replays... <laughs> From the 1930s, he was pretty good. I mean, I don't want to get into a foot race with the guy because I know how that's going to work. But <laughs> So my question is, Ami is who replaced BD this last game. He took his spot, basically. Yes. Do you think Ami played well enough to deserve another start? I do. So if that's the case, if you're going to bring in... Are you keeping... If you're going to bring anyone else in on the top, who would you take out? Like, Hurst is going to stay in there. Hurst has been a difference maker. I think you're going to stick with Hurst and Cito. Okay. And Are you thinking of 4-4-2? Um, I don't, because these last two games, we have not played the 4-4-2. We've been back to the 4-3-3. We've been back to the 4-3-3. It's, it's worked out a lot better. Um, and now, you know... One thing that we did not mention coming out of the Orlando game was Connor Doyle being subbed out about five minutes into the second half. Yeah. If you go and watch the play, uh, you know, we didn't see it happen live. We thought, oh gosh, did like did someone get a high boot? Did he get catch an elbow? And then you watch in the game and it he's running shoulder to shoulder, and all of a sudden he pulls up and he grabs his opposite side. So he's got the player on his right shoulder. And then all of a sudden he pulls up and he grabs his left side like he strained some kind of oblique muscle or something. And there was one play, you and I both noticed it, where he made a a very good pass forward to Yaya Sisi to spring him, where you would normally expect him to take off like a shot to help support that attack. He made that play and then he just stopped and he put his hands on his knees and he stood there. You could tell he was not comfortable. Constantly had his left arm up, trying to kind of hold it. Yeah. Um, I give him so many props for his toughness. I think he played about 30 minutes with that injury before he finally was like, nope, can't do it anymore. Yeah, and, so you're going to lose him on the right. I think that's. I think we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, so where? who do you bring in? A Soto? I would say Josue Soto. He has been impressive coming off the bench. I think he's going to have the experience that's needed uh, for this old man Darby against uh against Richmond. So 
So my dream scenario that will not happen, and it, part of it is from watching um, Tony play a more aggressive standpoint. Right. My dream scenario is Tony gets slid up to that right um, midfield position uh-huh. and Richard Dixon's behind him. That's my dream scenario for two reasons. One, it gives Richard a little bit of protection because you've got a guy who's been playing in that position that can overlap for you if you if you have some issues. Right. Connor Connor often plays that very withdrawn midfielder. Tony would slide into that very easily. Yeah. And so that's and the other part of it is I would like for Tony to have more freedom to move forward because I think when he does that, he's got what we kind of talked about earlier. He's got a willingness to attack when sometimes it doesn't have to be perfect. He's willing to take those risks. Yes. So that's my dream scenario. Do I think it'll happen? No, I think you're going to see exactly what you said. I think you're going to see Richard Dixon on the bench with the plan to bring him in, not as a, right. hey, we're going to expand our bench for the last couple games, which we saw with Jamie Dell getting a spot on the bench and some others that haven't had a chance to even have the opportunity to play being out there. I think it's a plan substitution that you see because I think their hope is we win this game, we beat Toronto, and we get the results from Madison or Greenville that we need, and we need Richard for that first playoff game. Right. So that I, I wouldn't be surprised you see him come off the bench. We win this game. You see him start versus Toronto. All right. So let's go to uh, the uh, Alex's Stone Cold Prediction Machine. I'm saying a 2 nothing victory for the Red Wolves. Adam, what do you have? Because I, I feel like they'd like to make it as harsh on me as possible, I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory. We make, I'm going to have us go up two and then, then score in like the 70-something minute. And then we spend the rest of the game having those heartbreaking like, oh crap, another, another clearance that didn't clear or whatever it is that just right. makes you very, very uncomfortable. So that's my prediction is that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I got a 2-1, us winning it. You know, my full prediction is we win this game and we lose to Toronto. <laughs> That's my full prediction. You're welcome. Ever the optimist. <laughs> I'd like my heartbreak to be at the very end. Yeah. Alright, well, it's time to move on to world soccer. Uh, so this team, this scrappy little team that had a draw with Arsenal called Watford, played a game against Manchester City. How did that go, Adam? It was close. Close. It was close. Yeah. It was close to breaking the record for the largest margin of victory in <laughs> Premier League history. For a second there, I thought you were going to go with the hyper-positive rec coach. Hey, guys, come on. That was good. Good job. <laughs> you know, saw a lot of good things. We kicked the ball. Yeah. We just got we just got to work on kicking it the other way. Okay, guys? We got to make sure we kick it the other way. Okay. I, it's like if you everyone got their fruit cup. It's like if you ever played the FIFA where like you get you probably in like rookie or something, so you're up like five or six nothing at the half, and you come back and it's like it's like, well, the coach had to be in the locker room saying, if they can do that in the first half, guys, we can do it in the second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one always cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was it was maddening, of course. Then to follow that up with playing Ashton Villa this this afternoon and uh, being down 2-1 with 10 minutes to go and going, are you kidding? Is this really happening? And then Callan Chambers, who I don't know how much you know about who Callan Chambers is, but he was supposed to... I think we went to high school together. Yeah, he was supposed to be this great 
pickup that we got from the youth youth divisions, and then he turns out that he's a step slow, but he's kind of a pretty boy, so he's popular with people um, for his looks, but he's not very good. Oh, so we yeah. sent him off on loan. I know all about that. <laughs> we, we sent him off on loan, and he's we've always played him at right back or center back, and the team we loaned him to played him as a central midfielder all season long. <laughs> he he won he won their player of the year for them. We immediately put him back at right back for us. And he scores to tie the game up. And I'm like, well, I've just been bad-mouthing this move for 25 minutes, and he scores to tie it. So I apparently know nothing is what it comes down to. Do we have any other uh, European overreactions? Any uh, other? Well, I think, I don't know if it's an overreaction, but I think it's safe to say that Tottenham's terrible. Fair enough. Tottenham a 2-2 draw to... Who did they play? Uh, Olympiacos. Where are you? Ah, Olympiacos. You know, they might have just had a little bit of too much lamb the night before. And They were uh, also up 2-0, so let's let's oh, let's include that. Yeah. That's just a bummer. I would like to give a uh, tip of the cap to... Leicester City? Jesse Marsh. Oh, they beat Tottenham 2-1. American coach for uh, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. I, I don't know the quality of Gank, which I believe is from Belgium, but if your team is called Gank, then I think a 6-2 loss is probably what you deserve. Oh, Gank. That's a great name. <laughs> uh, you know what Gank means in English? To take or steal. If I have the money, I won't have to gank the boots. That's the definition on dictionary.com. That's lovely. So, Arsenal 3-1 win over uh, Frankfurt on the road. Congrats to them in the uh, European NIT. Every time. Every time. Every Don't you time. forget it. You know what the big difference between the European NIT and the real NIT here for college basketball? The champion of the NIT here gets to be the 65th best team our 66th best team in the country. Yeah. And then they get nothing out of it. At least the champion of the Europa League gets to be part of the Champions League the next year. So there's there's something to that. Well, there you go. Gank. Their, their gank symbol is excellent, by the way. They're, it's like a, a big G. <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of like a closed fist. It does a little bit. That's what I'm saying. It's, They're going to gank you upside the head. <laughs> it's excellent. Uh, I think I have a new favorite, uh, new favorite team. So I've been nerding out and doing a deep dive into English FA Cup, and it's in like the super preliminary stages where, like the the actual like the, you know, London McDonald's team is playing each other and finding some of those names. So did you know there's a Matlock Town? No. Yeah, so there's a Matlock town, and apparently really there are a crimes. lot of yeah, there's a lot of people in the town that are um, falsely accused of murder, <laughs> quite a bit. Um, my other favorite one is there was one that was called Biggleswade. I really want a Biggleswade shirt. Um, and then there's Cockfosters. Which, by the way, every um, South Carolina fan should be a fan of them if they're getting into. Uh... Yeah, their logo is uh, is pretty sweet. Now that's an actual town with a, with a rooster on it. With a rooster, cockfosters. 
Yeah, they've already been eliminated, unfortunately, so we can't say go Cockfosters anymore. I enjoy Kids Grove Athletic. Yes. That's a good name. Um, Bath City. Which, Very important. Which, if you're not aware, if you take a at shower least, there, they kick you out. At least once a week, you should take a bath. <laughs> so I went to, the first um, college I went to was, was Wingate University in the beautiful town of Wingate, North Carolina. I tell the ladies answer the phone. They're like, thank you for calling Wingate University in Wingate, North Carolina. Same spelling. Um, th- there's Wingate and Finchley that just got eliminated by Malden and Tiptree. I just oh. enjoy I just enjoy that they both were and names. Um, and then I think my new favorite crappy team, they're, you know, everyone knows about Manchester United, but are you aware of United of Manchester? Owned by, uh, oh, we're going to have to throw some Jeopardy music or something to vamp for me. Hang on. United of Manchester instead of Manchester United. Like it's legitimately the exact. The only thing that could have been better if they were Club Football of Manchester. They were CF United Oh, this is amazing. Founded in 2005 by Manchester United supporters opposed to American businessman Malcolm Glazer's takeover. What level of the pyramid are they on now? Is it? Were you able to get that for us? They are in the Northern Premier League Premier Division. I don't remember what level that is. I think that's level six. Sounds right. Uh, but yeah, so just this is the thing that we don't really get fully with the Open Cup here in the U.S. is a true open situation where all these random teams are fighting for it right there's they basically they really like there is an open setting but when it gets down to where it's really the open cup and it starts making on espn or any of those things it's almost all pro teams and like 16 amateur teams right so the fa cup is significantly larger basically anyone associated with it is in like you don't qualify you're just in and that's why there's so many of these early round games between, you know, nobody FC versus everybody's brother FC or whatever it is. Yes. So, other part of it that I want to mention while we're talking about world soccer, early Europa League, my wife reaches out to me and she's like, hey, how can Jonah watch the Europa League game today? Because my son has the little, has an Arsenal app on his on his device, he has his electronic device. Okay. And he takes and he puts any game on his calendar. So he went to, my wife was like, hey, there's an Arsenal game, can you turn it on? She found out that, hey, it's not on NBC or whatever like she's used to for Premier League games. Right. So I was like, well, it's on, it's on BR Live, which is Bleacher Report. It's like 10 bucks a month. They don't do a free preview. Just tell them we can't get it. She's like, well, I went and she reaches back out. She's like, I looked at it and it's three bucks. And Jonas went to his piggy bank and grabbed three dollars and it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so he watched the he watched the Arsenal Arsenal game on his phone, and he proceeded to tell me that he's a big fan of Saka, their new um, young kid that was playing forward who was involved in two goals. And I was like, well, you're not gonna get to see him play that much. I mean, he's only gonna play in those Europa games a lot of times there when you're not home. Saka started today for Arsenal. He's like, well, there's the guy you said wasn't going to play much. I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Apparently, he's not listened to the show to know that. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, I want to change gears, and I want to mention something about the Chattanooga Red Wolves Academy. They had some big news this week. They were just announced as part of the U.S. Club Soccer's Players First initiative. And uh, I'm just going to read from their website. Players First is a branded, holistic club soccer experience for parents and players. Emphasizes the development of each individual, his or her full potential. Helps parents make better choices about where their children should play. This is a big deal. Um, They've got five key pillars they look at. Coaching development, player development, uh, player health and safety, and then parent engagement and education. So when you read about a lot of this stuff, they talk about um, trying to put the players first and focusing on their individual development, not being focused on team results as they go through the games. Um, It's a fairly rigorous application process that people from U.S. Club Soccer come and observe your, your practices and the games and things and make sure that you are actually adhering to these pillars that, that are part of what they're trying to do. And so the what it shows to me is the amount of investment that Bob Martino has put into this youth academy to growing soccer in the right way in that vision of you know developing these individual players to go on and do other things not just saying here's some Chattanooga Red Wolves themed jerseys go out there and kick everybody's butt here's your dad he can coach the team right yeah they're setting up this academy with a very long-range vision of growing these kids into a true feeder system for the club and i think that should just send a note to some of these folks who think he's going to come in for a couple years and then once the stadium once the stadium's built and it's not really selling out he's just going to move the team and go elsewhere and leave a hole in the middle of his uh, real estate development he's focused on growing this club and growing it from the grassroots up. So there's, I feel like there's more work that needs to be done there in trying to help encourage some of these parents to be part of supporting the team, have the team out there supporting these young men and women as they're, as they're learning and trying to, to achieve their dreams. But it shows that kind of investment. Um, I think the other thing that people might notice is a lot of the coaches who came to this Red Wolves Academy, who have talked about wanting to have this kind of vision, and they weren't finding it where they were coaching previously. I'll just leave it there. They weren't finding it where they were coaching previously and were willing to come here and get this started. I have been incredibly impressed with all of the coaches, the interactions that they have. My son is not just coached by the one person who's assigned to his team. They, on Tuesdays, they do circuit nights. They go around. They've got different coaches that will come do those. They all know who each of the other kids are. They'll talk to them. Uh, In between games, a coach that's not coaching will come sit on the bench. And he was just, we had a coach today, was just sitting there, was sitting next to my son, keeping him focused on what his teammates were doing. And hopefully my son could pick something up there. So it's been a really great experience. And, And like I said, they're... The way that they have put this together shows that not just from the club perspective, but from the bottom up, they're trying to really build this club in the right way. I think the other side of that, to to piggyback on what you're saying, is they if his plan was always to just drop a stadium in, as you said, for its development, why do why spend the money on Camp Jordan and redoing that Mm -hmm. to create 
this for for the for the academy because that's completely unnecessary. CFC Academy has proven that because they've never done that, right. and they've done perfectly fine having their academy, and they've obviously done very well with building up their team without that. So that says to me he wasn't ever thinking in that manner. Now I've said all along this is the the team is the loss leader. He plans on making money off of the development. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to have a successful team. Right. It just means he's a smart businessman who says, I'll lose money on the team and do this that I really want because I love soccer. Because typically lower division leagues lose money. And then I'll figure out a way to make it profitable for me while still doing it. Right. And I think that's where the development part comes in. Is Yeah, he, he, he would he love to make money off the team when ultimately that would be the greatest thing ever for him? Yeah, of course it would, right? And I think the way you eventually get there is... It grows enough that you build some players out of the academy that you sign to contracts that you then sell, right? That's yeah. how he'll make money eventually off of it. And the only way to do that is to put the money in there. So I think that's exactly what's happening here. The investment that he's putting Camp Jordan on having an actual Red Wolves-specific academy area is huge. The investment of creating an actual stadium that they will play games in that is built for soccer is huge. And to discount it, because you think he's only doing it for development is absurd because you can put a lot of other areas of development in to an area that you're getting all those tax rebates without having to spend it on and losing the spacing of a stadium that has a legitimate empty hole inside of it. Right. Like, that's absurd. If all he wanted to do was develop land, then he could do that anywhere in the country. He's proven that. <laughs> I doubt Eastridge would have been like, no, you have to have a soccer team or you can't build things here. Exactly. So that's why I'm like, eh, I don't know that about <laughs> that. But, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe 10 years from now it is gone. But everything he's shown me up to now says, no, that's not my plan. I just think, I think you can't put the amount of money he has put into it. The free academy for, um, for the pre-academy, that is not cheap. Right, you're talking about 60 kids that if it was another academy or, or another program around here, they're paying for fall and spring over 100 bucks a kid. That's $6,000. And these are not parent volunteer coaches. So it's more than $6,000 that he's right. spending on that. Not just the uniforms. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you, he gave us two uniforms. You paid for uniforms in rec typically. It's Good included Lord. in your feet. Yeah. Right? So... I didn't pay for anything. Like, legitimately, Jonah paid for nothing. I got to a point running my rec before I stepped down where I was only charging for the shirt because I was trying to keep costs under control. And I got a lot of stink eye because I didn't provide shorts and socks. And the whole reason I did it was because I was trying to help it help make soccer more inexpensive compared to the other sports. Yeah. It's just kind of one of the, <laughs> that's That's my whole thing. Like, you don't do that. There's no... Re- he would have never gotten pushback if he had done his pre-academy the same way CFC does theirs, which is not super expensive. It's like 100 bucks, right? Yeah. Um, if he had done exactly the same and just had better coaches, he still could have marketed it, but he didn't go that route. He's like, no, this is free for that. We want to get them to have a taste of what the quality coaching they're going to get. So, fun story we were told was someone was looking for like a inexpensive facsimile of the Red Wolves game jerseys to use for the academy. And Bob said, no, they're going to have the same stuff we have. So all of these kids, they've got different sponsors on it because there's different different groups that are sponsoring the academies. 
but the uniforms they have the white and the red home and away that it's the same adidas design that the big guys wear and you should see the look of pride on those kids when they get to wear it around oh yeah yeah it's it's very obvious like and they're nice like they are very nice like, yeah even like the stuff that they got for the pre-cutting which is not the same the pre-cutting is a little bit lower because it's completely free even that's nice like yeah. I, I like looked at us like Oh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've seen them. They're I, nice looking. Uniforms. I joked around like before we knew. I was like, we're probably getting t-shirts, which is cool. Like, like <laughs> Jonah will not care. Like, they're giving me a free t-shirt. I don't have to have a, I don't have to pay for your armor. I'm good. And then they get, I get that. I'm like, cool. Like, they're giving them like, like dry fit shirts. Like, this is nice. But anyways, yeah. I mean, we don't have to go on too long because we're just going to sound like all we, all we, everything they do is gold, but we make fun of them and rip on them it's for other things. Reference the beginning of the show. Yeah. But <laughs> this is something that I think they've done well. They have. They've got good coaches. They put money into it. Getting the certification is not easy. It's the certification process did just start, so it's not like it's been around for 10, 15 years. But you know, they only started with 50, 50 um, academies across the country was were in the first round, right. and that was a year ago, and they're only into the eighties. Right. So it's not an easy process to pass. The closest other one that has passed is in Knoxville. Um, I researched some of the stuff that they've done. They've done very good stuff. They're actually partnered with the CFC Women, um, CFC um, Young Women's Academy um, on some stuff together. Uh, but like, you look at the other ones. I look. I was because I didn't. I'd never heard of it, right? So I did some research. Like the places that got it, like Barca Academy in Charlotte. Like mm-hmm. these are good programs. Like so, this isn't just some like hey U.S. And I the other thing I check is is this a USL thing? Like, did USL just make something up? Nope, not associated directly with USL. It is U.S. soccer. But, and, right. you know, some people would argue, well, they go through this, and they, you know, they got their hands in the pocket. Bullcrap. Like, this is not directly affiliated with anything that's directly affiliated with the Red Bulls. You had to pass that rigorous process. Right, and it's more than just give us a couple thousand dollars exactly. and fill out a form. Yeah, exactly. Or else you'd see a whole lot more than 80 clubs in a year that have been approved because there's a lot of clubs across this country. <laughs> yeah. And they're not just regionalized to one area either. They're, they've got clubs in California, in Washington State, up, up in the Northeast. So, yeah. So, Alex... You got anything else for us before we head out? The airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. All right, so the other day, I got to work and got on the elevator, was half asleep. We we ran out of coffee, so we I had to stop and get Starbucks. I hadn't really had enough coffee to start my day. So I'm a little groggy. Elevator doors open, and as I go to step off, boom! There's two people rushing onto the elevator. Okay. I, I don't know if it needs to be a class, if it needs to be part of like new hire orientation. When you hit the button on the elevator and the elevator doors open, wait, wait two seconds. It's most likely full of people who are trying to get off. And they don't have anywhere else to go if you just come barreling through the doors because you're afraid that you're not going to catch the elevator. We'll hit the button. We'll open the door back up. It'll be fine. Between that and people who walk on the left side of the hallway. They're from Britain. What are they supposed to do? I am going to lose it. So, a couple things that you can do in that orientation. You gotta wait for people to get off. 
Now I understand our elevators. You have to wait, but you don't want to wait too long because it'll take your arm off. Yeah, that's true. Um, you got to wait for them to come off. The other part of it is, don't be that weird dude that turns and doesn't face the door. Like there's, I've gotten on the elevator a few times recently, and this guy gets on and he just walks in. He looks over to see if it's his floor and then stands back and doesn't turn around like a normal person. And he's like staring at us with the doors behind him. Okay, that guy's my hero. <laughs> no, he, made me, he makes That's, me incredibly uncomfortable. That, yes, that is, that is the way to go. I love it. And then you just come back and out and whoever's trying to rush on, sorry, got you boxed out. <laughs> Also, we don't have elevator music. I've always wanted to go. <laughs> like, I got Spotify ready. And then as soon as like it starts to play. <laughs> and it's kind of like, like, they need some because they're starting to make noises that really worry me when they get from one floor to the next. <laughs> they need some music to cover that up so I don't think I'm going to die. That seems fair. All right. Well, before we head out, I do want to thank our sponsors. Roughneck Scars, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scars for your group or team at roughneckscars.com. Yay, sponsors. I also want to thank you guys for listening. This was a bit of a long show, but a lot to cover. So um, thank you so much for for listening, and uh, we will catch you on the other side. Bye. What's going on through your mind right now? Crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>